Hey, thanks for downloading and listening to the New Life Church Downtown Podcast. We'd love to stay connected on Instagram at NLC Downtown Little Rock or TikTok at NLC Downtown. We have devotionals, audio from our weekend messages, conversations about big topics and culture today, and lots of options for you to become a disciple of Jesus. We aren't just a Sunday church. We want to be here for you Monday through Saturday too. Looking forward to getting to know you better. series uh here's a church if you've missed the series we have a podcast you can find it wherever you listen to podcasts uh but we've been talking about who is jesus it's a pretty important question right as you look at faith and if you're in this room it either means one you love jesus two you're trying to figure out if you love jesus or three your friend talked to you into coming okay and so uh we've been in this series and we talked about jesus as the good shepherd who lays his life down for his sheep we talk about jesus as the perfect prophet who declares the word of God and then fulfills it. Amen? Come on, amen? We talked about him as the perfect priest who enters into the Holy of Holies and makes a space for us to come and meet with God face to face, which is a good place to say amen. And he's the perfect king who came to rule over us, but when Jesus rules over us, we actually find life. When other kings of the world rule over us, it robs us of life. It drinks our rivers dry. That's the analogy we used last week. But when Jesus rules over us, there's life and there's health in all areas of our life. And so this week we've got uh, the man, the myth, the legend, the, did you, have you finished your doctorate? No, just your master's. He got his master's degree, yeah. Yeah, he got his master's degree. He's the principal of Mills High School uh, and he loves the word and he knows the word. And so y'all put your hands together for Dwayne Clayton. Love you, bro. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for the opportunity to serve. And God, we thank you for grace and mercy. Thank you for your son, Jesus. And today, help us to know who he is. Not just from a historical perspective, but that we can come to know him intimately. It's in your son, Jesus' name we pray. Thank God. Amen. Well, hey, man, I am so excited. Uh, earlier in service, man, my guy was over here on the, on the strings, and I kind of felt a little John Mellencamp creeping up on me from back in the day. But, hey, it, it, in, in, enjoyed it. I've enjoyed the worship thus far. Have you ever come to meet someone and they uh, misidentified you? Or as you begin to introduce yourself, they're following you along as you converse about yourself. And they kind of thinking about someone else in their head who they think you are. So I have, a, I have a cousin in town. He's Pastor Michael Clayton of Greater Works Christian Church. When a lot of people meet me, they think that they're meeting Michael Clayton. And I said, no, I'm not Pastor Clayton. I'm just Dwayne Clayton. But uh, and, and one of the things that Michael and I would do when he was a minister of music at my previous church uh, he would always challenge us. We would be in for choir rehearsal, but he would always challenge us, and it was simple. He would say, do you know him? And, and that was just kind of like of our checkpoint. He would say, do you know him? And we're laughing about it, but th- there's a seriousness and an efficacy to that. Do you know him? And so as we're staying in the vein of who is Jesus, probably one of the biggest questions we will answer, it is the biggest questions, that we will answer in our lives is that 
who is Jesus and who is Jesus to each one of us individually and personally? And the question that I will ask us is, do we know him? Uh, my wife and I, Marquet, uh, we get to serve here. We do marriage ministry, uh, one flesh along with the McCaskills. In fact, we're meeting today at 4 o'clock at our house. So we just, we just kind of serve in those capacities, and we love uh, New Life downtown. But in this series, what I've come to realize is that we cannot put Jesus in a box. Uh, Pastor Bronson, he mentioned that Jesus is the king, Jesus is the priest. And in fact, I think we did a book study a couple of years back on uh, Christ as the king, and it was a really good book study. But in all of these studies, in this series, we cannot put Jesus in a box. We can't put God in a box. The old saint says it like this, God works in mysterious ways, wonders to perform. And so as we continue with this question, who is Jesus, who do you think he is? Today's approach that I will have is going to be more of a teaching approach. Um, We're going to look at today probably the biggest statement that he made about who he really was. And with everyone, these statements, we're just looking at these Jewish leaders. We're looking at these Pharisees and, and they're looking at Jesus like, who do you think you are? I mean, you have some nerve. What, why are you making these claims? They're saying, and the sad indictment is that they are people who know the law. They know the Mosaic law, but didn't know the Jesus that was right in front of them. And so scripture reading that we have is found in Matthew chapter 15, just to kind of set the background. Matthew 15, verse 6, and it says, In this way, you say they don't need to honor their parents, which is the Mosaic law. Verse 7, and so you counsel the word of God for your own tradition. And these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me, is what Jesus said of what the prophet Isaiah had already mentioned. Verse 8 says, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as if they're the commands of God. And so that's our backdrop. So these are the religious leaders, and that's the backdrop. But what our crux of the message is today is Matthew 16. These same leaders, they're looking to test Jesus. And in verse 13, it says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do the people say that the Son of Man is? And they replied and said, Some said that you're John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. And they replied, even Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But he asked this question, but what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Verse 16, Simon Peter answered, said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And so people were just trying to figure this out. You know, oftentimes people have different ideas about who they believe people are, just like I made that example of, I'm not Michael Clayton, I'm not Pastor Clayton, I'm Dwayne Clayton. But even if people make those mistakes with us, you can imagine the mistakes they make as they're trying to uh, identify who Christ is. How many of you have had your identity stolen? Identity theft? So here in, uh, or fraud committed in your name. In 2020, there were 4.8 million who had their identity stolen 
or fraud reports in their name, reported in the United States. But no one else has had their identity stolen or distorted more than Jesus. Some use his name for personal gain. Others' name drop when it's popular or convenient. Won't he do it? Won't he will? It sounds good, don't it? But, but really, even in culture, as people use Jesus' name, in politics, people suddenly love him at election time. Our feelings make him into what we want him to be for that situation. And I like to say it even in my own life. Sometimes I've used Jesus as a spare tire rather than the steering wheel. How many of us who love this word and love this Jesus that we proclaim use this word to govern most of our life decisions? And some churches today even do the check boxes and, and use what works for them at that appropriate and appointed time. And Jesus made this statement. He says, many will come in my name. Not some. He said, many will come in my name. Matthew 7, 22. And on that day, many will say to me, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Lord, didn't we uh, cast out demons in your name? And didn't we do miracles in your name? In verse 23, he says, then I will announce to them, depart from me. I never knew you. Doesn't this sound like the religious leaders? They know the law. They know how to tell us what to do. They know legalism, but they didn't know Jesus. And the most important question of today is, is Jesus God? Or how can I know him personally? So as I was preparing for this message, uh, there's a lecture by John Mazel, and he has a lot of claims here, a lot of historical facts. And in this little book, it says, Buddha never claimed to be God. Moses never claimed to be Jehovah. Muhammad never claimed to be Allah. But yet Jesus the Christ claimed to be the true and living God. And the record shows us that Jesus was not crucified for raising the deaf to life or the dead to life or making the blind to see or the lame to walk. But Jesus was crucified because he claimed to be God. And that's when the Pharisee says, what authority do you make these statements? How dare you blasphemy? And, and he made, this makes the question of his deity is of the utmost importance. Paul wrote it like this in Colossians, the church at Colossians. He says, he is the express image of the invisible God. All things were made through him and, through, and, and without him, nothing was made. So the express image of an invisible God. Buddha simply said, I'm just a teacher in search of the truth. Jesus said, I am the truth. Confucius said, I never claimed to be holy. And Jesus said this, who convicts me of sin? And Muhammad said this, unless God throws his cloak of mercy over me, I have no hope. And Jesus said this, you who believe in me, or unless you believe in me, you will die in your sins. These statements today force us to make a choice, force us to make a decision, force us to, to press into that place. How do I get to know him in a real personal way? So we really need to reflect on that today. And I pray that the Holy Spirit gives us and guides us into all truth on this subject matter. On page 19 of this little small book, Is Jesus God? 
the historian and first century Flavius Josephus, a well-known first century Jewish historian, speaks of the life and death of Jesus and how he went about claiming to be the Messiah, performing great works. And so in today's message, we'll go to Exodus chapter 3, verse 13. So we know that Moses is a teacher, is a leader of the people. And in verse 13, Moses begins to protest. He says, now God, if I go to these people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors sent me to you, they will ask me, what is his name? And then what should I say to them? Verse 14, God replied and said, Moses, I am who I am. Powerful statement. I am who I am. Say to these people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Verse 15, God said also to Moses, say to these people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestor, God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. If we park right there for a moment, I know in those days, a lot of people had no clue of who God was, but they knew that Abraham was a blessed man. So they knew that Abraham had a God. And so these references to the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has a lot of credence, has a lot of efficacy. And so, so many times in our lives, we're dilly-dallying with that idea of God and who he is and who Jesus is to us. Well, we heard grandma praying to God. We heard Paul, Paul, big mom and them praying to God. But we got to come to a point in our lives as soon as possible that we know who this Jesus is of grandma and them, of big mom and them, of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob. And I hope we can begin to feel the weight of these words this morning. I know that I can't do them justice by trying to articulate, but my prayer is that the Holy Spirit today will bring revelation to how great Jesus' name is. The great I am. Here's why. There's a study in this book called The State of Theology. And it may be surprising that the majority of the United States population rejects the deity of Christ. Rejects the deity of Christ. In other words, they reject that Jesus is God. Just like the book of Genesis says, let us make man in our image and our likeness. Jesus was there in the beginning. The Holy Spirit was there in the beginning. And many refer to that as the Godhead. 30% of those who identify as Christians believe that Jesus was just a mere great teacher or a prophet, 30%. So what are the other 70% believing? If 30% believe that, what are the other 70 believing? If he's just a good moral teacher to many, what are the other 70% of us believing? Truth has become relative to so many that it's nothing more than a personal opinion of being accepted as gospel. But this is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. C.S. Lewis wrote, and he's a former professor of Oxford. He was an atheist and later became a Christian. In his writings, Lewis emphasized that one cannot be neutral on the idea of Jesus Christ. You can't straddle the fence. He says, thinking that Jesus was just a good moral teacher would not help us to know Jesus intimately. Jesus declared more than one occasion that he is the I am. 
let's look at the I am statements that Jesus made. Statement number one, he says, I am the bread of life. In the old church, as Pastor Brunson brought us to know this morning, there's so many different backgrounds in here. We have Baptists, we have Presbyterian, we have some that Catholic, but in the old church it said, bread of heaven, bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. That was the old praise service. Some of y'all might know that. But, but what is stating here is that in John 6 and 35, Jesus declared, I am the bread of life and who comes to me will never hunger and never thirst. What's the evidence of that? The illustration that was given that he had two fish and five loaves and they fed over 5,000. See, this is the only book that, that we can read is where we read this book and the author shows up. So that word manifests and, and lives among us. Jesus said, I am the bread of life and I want to fill you up. See, this is what Jesus wants. He don't want part-time visits. He wants full-time residency. See, it's not like that you just keep the light on. No, he wants to be all in our business, all in our lives. Statement number two, he says, I am the light of the world. If any man follows me, he will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You know how people do their hashtag living life, enjoying life? Let me tell you something. Christ come that we might have life and have it more abundantly. More abundantly. There was a story in, I think it was 2 Kings chapter 20, the prophet uh, Hezekiah was sick. I think it was Hezekiah. He was sick, and, and the prophet came to him and said, get your affairs in order. You're about to die. You're sick. And so he turned to the wall and prayed. And before the prophet could leave the courtyard, guess what had happened? Because he knew him intimately. He prayed to him. He said, you know how faithful I've been to you. You, you know that, that I want to do your will. He prayed to him, and before the prophet left the courtyard, guess what the Lord did? He told the prophet to go back in and let him know that I'm giving him 15 years. Not only did he give him 15 years, he gave him life to those 15 years. As my wife's grandfather would say, Lord, don't let my last day, let them be my best days. See, you might be on a limited time frame right now, but guess what? He'll add life to the years that you do have left. He's the light of the world. Statement number three, I am the true vine. John 15 says, I am the true vine. Verse five says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me, or one translator said, if you abide in me, if you just park right here with me, if you just make me your dwelling place, if you come and seek me, and you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, guess what? You can do nothing. So he is the true vine. And if we stay connected to the vine, folks, that's good news, that we can produce fruit. We can produce fruit. So today we have to make a conscious decision. What's going to be our source? Are we going to stay plugged into the vine? You have to determine in our minds that Jesus Christ will be our source today. What are we going to feed our soul? We've got to feed our souls the word of God. An older, older gentleman told me one time, he says, whichever dog you feed the most, that's, that's going to be the dog that wins the fight. So it says here in the scripture, it says, if we walk after the spirit, we won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. But if I keep feeding flesh, I guess we're going to win that battle. Flesh. So we have to feed the spirit man. We have to strip off some things. So we have to stay connected to the vine. And one of the things I mentioned earlier is that we can't live on grandma's faith, mama's faith, daddy's faith. We got to have our own faith files. 
Just like the prophet prayed. Just like Hezekiah prayed. Lord, don't you remember? Okay? We got to have some stuff, as they say, some timber built up. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Some timber built up. Or, or let me say it like this. The hay in the barn. Yeah, you got to have some stuff stored up that, hey, Lord, you know how I've walked before you. And if you haven't done it yet, we still got time. So he's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. So even though we may not know him like grandma and big mama and papa knew him, we still have time. Because what I love about God is, what I love about Jesus is, he is no respecter of person. He don't care who he saved. Guess what? He saved me. So he don't care who he saved. <laughs> and my God, that is a miracle. So what is your go-to this morning? Is it our jobs? Is it our careers? Is it our spouses? Is our go-to going to be the word of God? Paul said like this, whatever state I find myself in, I've learned how to be content. Even when David got in trouble, he had a choice. Do I want to be placed in the hands of my enemies? He said, no, but if you place me with in God's hands, I know he has mercy. So we got to have those faith files. Fourth statement, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Contrary to popular belief, Oprah can tell you there's many different ways and pathways. There's one way. I think it was Timothy Wright. He said, God's got a way that you can't go over. You can't go around it and you can't go under. You must come in at the door. And Jesus Christ is the door. As he stated, I am the way. This, this is read often in a lot of uh, homegoing celebrations. John 14. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. That's a powerful statement. Believe in God, but believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions or rooms. If for not so, I would have told you, and I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you where you may be also, I will come again and take you to myself. Verse 4, and you know where I'm going. Thomas interrupts and says, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said in verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's all Timothy Wright was doing, making it very plain. You must come in at the door. He is the door. And if you had known me, you have known the Father also. This was the claim that the the religious leaders didn't like. How are you claiming that if, if I've known you, I know the Father also? Because we are one. And if you've seen me, you have seen him. It is clear what Christ is saying here. He's saying that I and the Father are one. I am God and I'm the only access point. Not just a way. Jesus didn't say I'm a way. He said I am the only way. So many people are believing that just a good person. I'm checking in. I'm doing my duty. I'm, I'm devoted and I'm in service. That's not it. I pray for one of my former teachers all the time. She's a great person. But she has not come to that saving faith of Jesus Christ. And I'm praying for her because, like I said, God doesn't care who he saves. But I pray because you have to. It's not of works that any man can boast, but it is a gift of Jesus Christ. 
So there are times when we're focused and we are forced to make a decision like today. We got to make a decision. We can't straddle the fence about who Jesus is. Proverbs 14, 12 says it like this. There is a way that seems right unto man, but in the end thereof leads to destruction. Let's just go back there. 30% says, yes, he's a great moral teacher. A great moral teacher. John 1 and 1 says this. In the beginning was the word. The word was God. The word was with God. And the word was God. I like verse 14. It says this. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. See, he had to show us how to do this thing, what we're trying to figure out called life. And so Jesus is more than a good moral teacher. Let me help you with the claims and why we should answer that we know him in a real personal way. The, the religious leaders said, who do you think you are? They asked. But Paul said it like this in Philippians 2, verses 6. He says, though he was God, he did not think it robbery to make himself equal with God and to take this as an advantage or use it as an advantage. Instead, he gave up his divine nature. He connosed, some, some preachers say he connosed himself. He emptied out himself of all of that position and he took on the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And he was humble and obedient even until the death of the cross. Even to the death of the cross. See, one of the things we got to be mindful of here is that we cannot allow fact to get mixed up in feelings. Because what the, the connecting piece is here, fact has to have now faith, and then the feelings, the caboose can't, can't drive the train. So God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him a name above all names. Not some names, a name above all names. And then at that, at that name, Jesus, every knee shall bow. And every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. Let me testify just a little bit. He says, he existed in the beginning with God and God created everything through him and nothing was made except through Jesus. Romans talks about like here that we're without excuse because we see his handiwork. We see his creation. I see all of you and we're without excuse. He is the mediator between God and man. I know what a mediator is. If you've ever been in court, if you've ever been in trouble, I have. If you've ever been in trouble, see, sometimes you got a paracletos. A paracletos, that doesn't sound like the word paralegal, who does a lot of work for the lawyer. And, and so you have somebody working on your behalf. You hired the lawyer, but guess who's working for the lawyer? The paralegal. So they're bringing things into place so that the lawyer can just state this claim. Make this claim. Oh, this is what you said, but this is what I have. And so that's what the mediator is doing for us. This is what Dwayne did, but God, this is what you said. I've died for him. Yeah, I know he, why he was yet in sin, but you died for him. So those are the things that he is doing for He is the mediator. Let me tell you something else is a claim. He is the intercessor. Romans 8 talks about this when we don't know what to pray. When I'm, when I'm groaning and, I'm, and, I'm, and, and Lord, if you don't fix it, it won't be fixed. When you're doing those things, guess what? He's interceding on your behalf. 
to some of us, he's the elder brother. He is Emmanuel, God with us. For those of us who've been in trouble and can't see our way out, he's our battle axe. He's Ezekiel's wheel in the middle of a wheel. Have you ever had some complexities in your mind? He's a wonderful counselor. He's Mary's baby. He's a carpenter's son. He's the chief cornerstone that the builders rejected. He's the lily of the valley. The name I am is affirmation that I can be anything that you want me to be. And for those of us that struggle with certain things, there was a commercial back in the day that said, try Coke, it's the real thing. No, try Jesus. He's the real thing. Some people tell you after you tried everything else, because they've been running their whole lives, and they say, after you tried everything else, try Jesus. No, try Jesus first, and you won't have to try everything else. Genesis 22 says, he is Jehovah Jireh. He'll provide for you. For Chris, he was Jehovah Rapha, the God that heals. Let us make up in our minds today, as the songwriter says, oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. And some will say, there is a name. No, I'm not going to sing it. I love to hear. <laughs> it sounds like music in my ear. And another song went on to say, oh, how I love Jesus. Everybody ought to know. And it's good to know Jesus. Why? Because he washed our sins away. No more guilt. See, what I love about Paul is Paul is a, he's a rascal. No better way to put it. He's, he said, I'm the chief of sinners. But he also said this, there is therefore now no condemnation. You're not condemned to those who are in Christ Jesus. So he washed our sins away. No more guilt. We have no more debt. The things that we couldn't pay for, guess what? He stepped in and said, I paid the price. Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He's our Savior. His name is Jesus, the great I am. His name is Jesus. Don't you want to know him today? Another Paul writing, he says, that I may know him in the fellowship of his suffering. I'm fellowshipping in my infirmities. I'm fellowshipping in my suffering. But if I suffer with him, guess what? I will reign with him in the fellowship of my suffering. But I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. You won't be where you are all the time because he's got great getting up power. He's got power to make us walk right. Power to make us talk right. Power to make us live right. Power to treat people right even when they don't treat you right. That's power. Father, forgive them. 
but they know not what to do. God, we thank you so much for your lovely son, Jesus. Your word declares he is love. And we thank you for that unconditional love. That love that's not puffed up. That love that's not ashamed. That love that lets us know that we're blood washed and bought with a price. We thank you today that we're coming to know who you are. And God, for those who don't really know you in the pardon of their sins, we come today asking that you would just come to them in a real way. Lord, if they want to fleece you like Gideon, God, you're able to show them signs. God, we know that you can and we know that you will and we know that that's what you come to do. We know that you come to save the world, not to condemn the world, but to save the world through your son, Jesus. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name.